welcome to episode 92 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today we'll be continuing our recap of The Dawn of Yang Chen by FCU with chapters 9 through 12. So in this episode, you can obviously expect full spoilers for The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, and some potential spoilers for both Kyoshi novels. But before we get into the full discussion this week, Andre, how are we doing? Or how are you doing? I know how I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing tired. That's how I'm doing. Same. We were just talking about oh this before God. we started recording. This week's been pretty crazy for both of us. We've been really working a whole lot. Um, we shifted around this recording time like seven different times, but we're making it happen because we're podcast Ooh. professionals. Um, yes, very. But yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to the the weekend. Um, where hopefully I will not be working because I've been working like the past two weekends just to keep up with everything. Um, what else? Oh, we purchased a new couch. Nice. And I'm so excited for it. My mom offered to buy us a couch. Um, and Chris found this one on TikTok where it was like um, the backs of the... It's like a sectional, but they're like modular. So you can like kind of shift them around in like individual pieces. And like the backs are like adjustable. So you can push them forward, push them backward. And it turned out that that specific couch was at the store, the rooms to go here. So we went there, asked about that specific couch. It was like right at the front of their showroom. And when I tell you this is going to be such an upgrade from what we have in our living room now, we basically don't hang out in the living room anymore because our the couch that we borrowed from our friend is just so old and uncomfortable like we're only really sitting on it if we have company over but it's just like it's just not worth it i might as well lay in bed you know which i hate because i like i like moving around instead of like sitting at my desk all day working from home right Mm -hmm. but it's like you know there's no better alternative because i have my comfy desk chair you know i'm not gonna sit anywhere else but this one oh my god it's so comfortable when you put like pull the the backs all the way to the to the farthest like place it'll go like up against the wall i don't even need an ottoman because the seat is so fucking huge that i can have my back up against it and like my feet all the way up and like complete it's just like basically like a bed and i'm just i'm so excited for it it's coming next wednesday um and they're gonna come deliver it set it up for us and then take the trash love that that. um and i'm just i'm so excited that's amazing uh I don't really get that much rest this weekend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this week has also been just putting me through the grinder. Just a lot of work stuff, work stress. I was I didn't leave my office yesterday. I like, didn't leave the building until almost 9 o'clock last night. I was there oh from God. 8.30 in the morning to 9 o'clock at night. And then I had to go pick something up in like, you know, a town was like an hour and a half away from Morgantown. And then I drive an hour back to my apartment. So I wasn't home until 11 last night. So I am just dead, uh, to say the least. And, you know, I have, yeah. I work my, I work both of my jobs tomorrow and then I have something else going on late at night. And so it's just going to be nonstop all day Friday, at least Saturday, a little bit of a break. And then I have Rocky that night uh, on Saturday. So it's just. It's a lot. Sunday, I also work. And I'm probably at the Rocky. I'll be sleeping in until probably an hour before I have to get up. Like an hour before I have to leave for work. So I'm just, Mm. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just, I am, 
I'm doing a lot. It's a lot of good things, you know, like, mm-hmm. things, yeah. you know, it's, it's good things. You know, I like my jobs. You know, I like Rocky. Uh, it's just so much going on at once. Uh, yeah, I bet. I'm going to make a conscious effort next week to do absolutely nothing unless I absolutely have to. So. It's all about it's all about balance. <sighs> that's what that's what Avatar is all about. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, let's not think about how crazy our lives are and let's just think about somebody else's problems more specifically a fictional character's problems exactly exactly that's how we cope with reality Uh. (laughs) we don't have any news this week so we're just gonna go ahead and get right into our main discussion um so today we're covering chapters 9 through 12 um and i've just kind of compressed two of my chapters into just one bullet point because it's pretty much this just one big scene that's happening amongst these two chapters. So uh, Yang Chen is meeting with the Shangs of Bin Air in an attempt to broker peace, as well as advocate for the citizens of this city. Now, this thing I'm, I'm about to talk about next is the big thing that's kind of like revolving around the whole reason why things are the way they are. Um, and it's this event, this political thing that happened when Yang Chen was a child called the Platinum Affair. Um, and I had to read it a couple of times um, to like fully grasp yeah. um, what what it actually is. I don't know if it's like my brain has just been mush from this week, or it was like just the way things were worded. It was kind of hard to like you know understand. But like a little column A, bring, uh, a little column B there. Yeah, like yeah, a little bit of that. Um, so I'm just gonna break it down for everybody who needs a little help understanding what happened. So this this platinum affair was labeled like one of the biggest political blunders. Uh, in like most recent history of this world. So like I said, when Yang Chen was a child, Earth King Feijian, uh, he was Earth King at the time, his rule was contested by a man called General Nong. Um, it's unclear if this is like an Earth Kingdom general. I'm pretty sure it is, but it's it doesn't say specifically. And he wanted to overthrow the Earth King. So he's he organized these rebel legions in the Earth Kingdom as part of his attempt to overthrow the king. So because of this, you got like rumors of war brewing, things might happen, things might not happen, but the Fire Nation and the Water Tribes are growing impatient because they don't like, you know, being constantly um, in this limbo of, are we going to war, are we not? So while they appear to be friendly to both sides, they actually conspire behind the Earth King's back and they send this General Nong valuable platinum ingots to basically fund this campaign against the Earth King. Well, because they were only sending the Earth King these like paper banknotes, so which is like basically not valuable, but their idea is that they were hoping that if they fund General Nong, then the loyalist soldiers on the Earth Kingdom side or the Earth King side would eventually lose confidence in the king's ability to pay them. Well, you know, it sounds sounds, you know, Sounds plausible. Could happen. Um, Until everyone underestimated the Earth King, who eventually snuffed out the rebellion in just, like, one battle. He retrieved the captured platinum, and I I love this because it gives us a little, like, you know, connection to the series. And he melted down the platinum to plate the giant badger mole statue behind his throne. This is the statue that we see in the series and in Korra. Um, and he decreed that relations would return would return to normal when the surface fully tarnished, which means just turned to stone, um, which would approximately take a hundred years or more. 
Um, so because of this, he closes off all the ports in the Earth Kingdom, all the trade routes, and he basically turns the Earth Kingdom into an isolationist count- country with other nations like the Water Tribe and the Fire Nation following suit. So at this point, only the Air Nomads are pretty much the only ones traveling across the world. There's nothing coming coming around the world until the Earth Kingdom decides, oh, well, this is like, you know, I can't get like my expensive furs and my lamp oil from the Water Tribe and my pepper from the Fire Nation. So he sets up these four cities in the Earth Kingdom. I'm sorry, five cities. No, four. Sorry. Um, Ben Air, Jonduri, Port Tugak, and Taku. So these are the four cities that were chosen to be special territories open to international trade. The noble and merchant families in these cities became known as Shangs, who choose uh, what is called a Zongdu, which is basically a leader, from among their own as an elected officer for the city. And during this meeting with the Shangs and Ying Chen, they compared the Zongdu to the Avatar. It gets chosen between generations. You know, it's the same office being filled um, and essentially serves the same kind of function within these small Shang cities. Um, but obviously, Ying Chen and her advisors did not like this one bit. Um, and so this is basically where we are today. Because of the whole thing that happened with this, the Shangs quickly turned corrupt. Because as long as the Earth King is getting his cut, he doesn't care what they do, right? So at this point, they're refusing to pay their workers living wage. And they're forcing people to remain in the city unless it benefits them. Um so ba- that's my basic understanding of what this platinum affair business is. Um, I like this because this kind of reminds me of um, uh, George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood book, which is not necessarily like a narrative, uh, like in the Game of Thrones series. It's basically like a history book of all of, like the political events like this that happened in that world. That's what this kind of like reminded me of, and I kind of like that. We're like, you know, getting some history lessons um, and just learning more about how things came to be in this world. Um, so because of this, there's so much conflict. There's so much corruption in the city. And Yang Chen offers to help them rebuild Ben Air and these other cities to become an equitable, equitable place for all of its citizens instead of the wealthy few. Hmm. That doesn't uh, I don't I can't relate to that at all. I don't think. Um, but of course, this doesn't align with the business interests of the Shangs because they can't make money off of being equitable to their citizens, which I can it's hard for me to relate in this specific situation. Um, and then one of them stands up, uh, her name is Noehi, and she says that the Avatar has no power in Benair, and it's just just the fact that, you know, she has no power to do because they got their Earth Kingdoms back and, you know, she has no power. Um, and then she's first, Yangshin is like caught off guard by this, a little bit offended by it. And so she comes up with something that might help force their hand into her favor, which I love this. Um, cause this is basically kind of like a bigger scale thing of what she did with Kavik, just kind of like finding like different ways to like, you know, kind of like save her own pride and her own ego, which she surprisingly has a good deal of, which I was not expecting from Yangshin. Um, but she points out that the Earth Kingdom would care much more about uh, what they were doing if he knew more about the acts of treason that they were committing. And they were like, oh, what are you talking about? Why would you say that? We don't have anything to talk about. What? So apparently, um, 
in accordance with, you know, the fact that they get to be one of these cities that becomes like a place of trade, they're not allowed to have any weapons and they're only allowed to dock a certain amount of ships in their harbor um, so that that way they can kind of keep tabs on how much money is going in and out. Well, it turns out the Shangs have been letting pretty much double the amount of ships into their harbor by bribing the harbor master. And... Um, and she says she noticed this because, you know, she has the eagle eye view from her bison and she said it's easier to count from up there and you have way more ships than you're supposed to have. So what's up with that? And she starts to wonder aloud if they are secretly funneling money under the Earth King's nose as well as smuggling potential spies into the country. Um, she's like, I wonder how he'll feel about that. And then one of her advisors is like, well, we'll we'll be seeing the Earth King in, in three months. Um, if that has any relevance. And Yang Chen tells them that they have until the next time she meets with the Earth King to change their mind about how they run things, or she will be forced to let the Earth King know about their little operation. And boom goes um, dynamite. <laughs> and boom goes the dynamite. Um, love this. Yeah. Um, I, I, throughout this whole thing, it was really cool to get um, Yang Chen's, like, I would say constantly changing temperature of the situation because it's almost like she's like going through like a rolodex of specific ways that she can like make her language more like flowery instead of like more direct like this thing at the very end of this chapter um and it's and we did get a little bit of this with kiyoshi who was trying constantly to be a diplomatic avatar but part of being diplomatic is constantly um, running through different scripts and different ways you dancing can say around, things in your head. Yeah, dancing around, dancing people, around the thing. Dealing yeah, with, exactly. Like, you know, dealing with different temperaments, things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, which comes so I think comes so naturally to her because of her Air Nation heritage. Oh, sure. Like just the fact that that you know that that's a classic Airbender thing, right? Um, but this is also obviously um comes from even at a young age so much experience of dealing in these diplomatic situations and uh learning from her advisors or at least the ones that aren't spying on her um and yeah that was my main takeaway from from this was just how good she is at not even negotiating just kind of like you know retaking control of the situation when she feels like it's not you know, it's not happening in her favor. Yeah, flipping the um, scripts, flipping the oh, how the turntable. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Did you have any thought thoughts about this, Kayla? Uh, nothing new. These chapters, just, uh, you know, thinking, you know, it was cool to kind of get that bit of a world building and an explanation as to why things are the way they are. It was just cool to get that extra bit of world building. I'm glad that you clarified that because I was sure as hell confused by it. So thanks, Andre. Uh- <laughs> I figured I figured maybe some of our listeners might be confused about it too. So I really wanted to like, okay, Cliff's notes, let me try to break notes. this down so I can like easily explain this. Yeah, yeah. and you did great with that. So hats off to you. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I got nothing else to say about that. And, you know, uh, I also am thinking like, oh, you know, I remember reading this and being like, you know, did yeah the snaps and all that stuff like yes get it <laughs> but then the next two chapters are like oh, oh i might have dug myself into a hole here so yeah yes yeah, so you yeah. get to see the consequences of that action so to mm. speak yeah I, I will say though it was very cold with the whole like the avatar has no power here and mm-hmm. you know that was just a very cold line right there I was I I don't know if if you share this sentiment, but because we got that Easter egg of Yang Chen noticing that 
the floors were heated or something. I was like, when is that coming? Is that going to come into play in this chapter? And then nothing really happens. Like, for some reason, I was expecting, like, for shit to go, like, south, like, very quickly. Um, I think it's also because we had that scene in Rise of Kyoshi where, um, like, Junju, like, basically like, poisoned all those delegates from the Earth Kingdom in, like, a very similar type meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I wouldn't drink that tea in front of y'all. I don't know. I'm, I'm, always, I'm always nervous about um, refreshments in a diplomatic uh, meeting like this. That's all for me. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Chapter 11 and Chapter 12 of The Dining Ancient. Stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Kayla here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check and make sure you're following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider it leaving us a review and maybe some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and to help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And we're back with the next part of our recap of the Dawn of Yang Chen with Chapter 11, Fallback Plans. So essentially after Yang Chen's bombshell threat, the rest of the meeting just skirts on by and they all kind of just dance around what Yang Chen just drops in the middle of the room. And the gravity of what she just said is starting to like settle in. She then goes for a walk with, um, I believe his name is pronounced Henshi. Is that seems about right? Henshi, um, who is the Zongdu of the uh, of Bin Air, from what I'm understanding. And mm-hmm. he yep. approaches her about her threat. And he's like, yo, like, I wish you kind of told me about that whole shipping situation, because I would have been able to kind of make this work a little bit more in our, you know, in your favor and, you know, that kind of thing. And she's like, yeah, the delivery wasn't that great, but I regret nothing about the message. So, you know, <laughs> yep. no regrets. And. You know, and then she goes to leave. She then pulls Boma and she's like, look, I have a plan. It's like maybe half baked, but just roll with me on this. I need to find out more about what the fuck's going on. So after some reluctance, he goes along with her plan and she just gives him some of her robes to wear and, th- and he'll just leave as her. Um, obviously, there's a flaw in the plan because two people who came together are, and only one of them's leaving. Uh, but she's like, okay, I don't have time to think about how bad this plan is. I need to just keep going. I need to keep going. And you know what? That's kind of been me this entire week. I'm just like, I know this is not really great for me, but I need to keep going with this. I need to carry this out. So I, I can relate to that. Um, but yeah, so she, he leaves on her bison and she stays behind to learn more about what's going on. So she just hits the ground running. Earth bends herself into the maintenance tunnel, which is where the heating, um, the heated floors situation comes in. And so she uses this maintenance tunnel to go under the original gathering hall. But during her crawl through the tunnel, her robes catch on a broken column. And when she yanks it out, a crack starts to form and just mortar and crap starts raining on her. She managed to get hit in the ribs and she's trying to hold this up, but getting hurt triggered, caused a trigger for her um, past, one of her past lives. Um, Unfortunately, yeah, really bad timing, isn't it? Uh, she's, you know, she's like, geez, she even thinks to herself, like, I know no matter how much like meditation exercises I do some, you know, that she can't stop this from happening. So she's feeling the claustrophobia that a past life of hers must've had, which is really not great in her situation whatsoever. So no. And it's, it's so, it's so interesting that I don't know there, this, this thing, this whole thing uh, really intrigues me with how close she, 
closely connect how closely connected she is with her past lives to the point where if she gets into certain situations it kind of triggers the memories of her past lives which we've seen like variations of throughout the different avatars but i'm just like is this the cost of being so spiritually attuned to your past lives or is this just kind of like a she was kind of born this way like she's just naturally like that because i don't i don't imagine that all avatars get to that level where they're that connected to their past lives that um like things in their life will trigger things from their past lives um, i'm gonna say that since she started out having these as a young girl that i don't i think this might have been just something that she was born with like you know I'm not going to call her situation a glitch, but that's the best way I can think of it, you know? Yeah, but I don't I don't know if the case is that she's she was born with um, the ability to connect so deeply with the past lives or she was born so spiritually attuned that that's just a natural mm. consequence of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so but I don't know. And I, I'm really interested to see like how this plays out more um in the book um i had something else to say but i can't remember what it was oh there was uh, a line in there that re- that i really liked and that i never thought of in that um it said something to the effect of like one of the curses of having a bunch of past lives is that the her spirit and her body remembers what it's like to take a final breath or something like that i was like oh my god i never even like thought about that to that extent i got i, and I think i got you um, you know, Avatar Yangtan isn't afraid of being buried alive. You're not going to die here. You're not going to die. But she had perished so many times, hadn't she? The downside of being endlessly reborn, the endless ends. Her body and mind remember how to take a final breath. Yangtan clamped her arms around her stomach and curled on herself, trying to compact herself into a featureless lump before the closing walls did it themselves. Yeah. I was like, that's a really, that's a really cool line. And it's something that I never thought about as, as, you know, an avatar who has lived like thousands of lives. Yeah. So eventually she does kind of do a similar grounding technique where she thinks about, maybe a little bit less refined, but she thinks about, you know, her, you know, she thinks about Jetsun and she thinks about how Kavik, you know, escaped a similar situation because it is kind of a similar thing with like, he was literally in the walls trying to, you know, get information. She's doing the exact same thing just with earthbending instead. And, you know, this sort of these small things start to kind of ground herself back into her present situation. And it's enough for her to escape and land exactly, almost exactly where she needs to be, right under the Shang's meeting. And that's the end of the chapter. Can I, can we also talk about how, how cool it is that Yang Chen is like James bonding her way know, right? into the, the meeting? Like this, like, this, and this is, is a spy novel. Literally, this is a spy literally, novel. this is an espionage avatar novel, I'd which love. I didn't know I needed until yeah. now. But she <laughs> even it even notes that like this isn't even like the most embarrassing situation because she's like robes tattered, covered in ash. Um, and it was also at this point where I made the connection with the heated floors, and I love that. Like my immediate assumption was that like she was going to use the heated floors as like. In, like in a violent way but it actually just meant that oh if it's heated that there means there has to be some clearance below the floor to heat it maybe i could fit in there and get into the meeting which i think is is just again making you kind of, kind of confront your assumptions about uh, the avatar series like in general you know because something like that is usually like okay like you're gonna like light the floor on fire or something i don't know i don't know what you're gonna do but um but yeah, that's that's where that that came in, and I was like really, 
I was like, oh, okay. That makes more sense than lighting the floor on fire. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, hey, it was a secret tool that helped us out later, as I said in the previous exactly. episode. So, uh, well, let me switch to Henshi's perspective as he prepares to deal with the aftermath of the meeting. Um, we learn that he has his own watchers that he pays himself with not and gives me and like these are people who don't have a lot of options on how to make a living. So, you know, it's kind of reminds me a little bit of Yang Chen here because like, you know, because Yang Chen's following their strategies a little bit with the Shangs of having, you know, people in her pocket, just like and she does, you know, he then finds out that Yang Chen had left, but not her companion. And he sends one of his watchers to go find him and see if he's watching from the roof above, like how Yang Chen was able to spot all of that information on the Shangs. Um, Henshi then goes into the room with the others and just all hell breaks loose. Everyone's panicking. They, it's just, just not a great situation all around. Um, it's then confirmed that Sadao is working for the Shanks and he's about to get his ass verbally handed to him for not keeping the Avatar in check. But Henshi then steps forward and tries to calm the situation down. He points out the Avatar pointed at, had noticed a flaw in their system, which is that they still have to answer to the Earth King and the leaders of the other nations. So then he brings up his solution, unanimity. I hope to God that I pronounced that right because I kept on reading it like anemone, anemone. Like I, I think that's how you say it. I literally spelled out the phonetic pronunciation. Like I still have it phonetically spelled out on the show notes. I am still going cross-eyed about it. Unanimity. It is a lot of. It is a lot of. Ends and ends. I was going to say uni- unanimity. 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 Literally. Anonymity. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. I just. But unanimity. It, was, it, it oh. got to the point where I literally had to look it up on Google and like hear the word spelled out to me. Like <laughs> unanimity. So that's the plan. Unanimity. Uh, some of the folks in the room are not too keen on this theoretical plan and then he's like well actually it's not really much of a theory anymore like there's like it's like finished it's ready uh we just need to set the plan in motion and we don't get much more explanation about what exactly it is it's essentially just a chance to get power over both the avatar and the earth king and that's kind of all we know about it right now so after the meeting's over he gives to Dao, who's just lamenting like oh my god i'm gonna lose my job i'm so fucked like (laughs) and then he's just like look Calm the fuck down. We still need you. Like, you're not fired yet until you're fired. Um, he needs to deliver to a message to the Zongdu in Jonduri that unanimity is moving forward. And he needs to ship something to Benair in, like, as soon as possible. Um, and could not be sent by Messenger Hawk. It's too goddamn important. You got to do it in person. Uh, Sadao says that he needs to trick Yang Chen into declaring Jandari the next stop on their tour in order to make this happen. And she then has this interesting line of, the Avatar should have what she desires most, a pretty little place in history, a few paper victories, and a nicely burnished image. She'll be able to show the four nations that she cared. Mm. That's, a, that's a big yikes for me. <laughs> that's a line. That's a line. That's a line. Uh Yang Chen then returns to the inn. Boma's like about to freak out about like, Jesus Christ, what happened to you? Like, and she's like, dude, I can't do this right now. I need, don't talk don't to talk me. To me. <laughs> like, you know, I can't do this right now. And like, there's a little line in the book where it says like, he's seen her in all sorts of situations, knows when to shut up. Uh, yeah. And so he, he does. And so she goes, she kind of just. Not unlike being in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh? <laughs> no. 
we're talking we're th- there is a care i'm talking to my boyfriend sorry there's a there's a thing in the book where um they're talking about how yang chen's advisors know when when to talk to her and when to give her space he's nodding vigorously <laughs> bye sorry keep going oh it's all good it's all good um, but yeah, she manages to escape after Henshi and Tsidao had left, and she managed to use some more earthbending to get herself out of there. But before she leaves, she noticed a uh, woman who was pretty damn injured, who probably was hurt in the crossfire of her trying to move around underground. Um, and she just resolves to herself to right the situation because the woman's pain was on her, the avatar who didn't is, help. Is that what that was? I thought this was the woman who was ordered to like go on the roof. Oh, and she like fell. I think because it because there was at one point where That's like right. she was talking to to Sido and they like heard something yeah. like thump on the roof. I forgot because he ordered that woman to like go check yes. to see if there was any his watcher to go look at spiders. I'm so sorry. This is what happens. This is just oh, no, that's okay. Like, I mean, it could have been. Yeah, but that that was my. But I'm gonna say it. it might have been. I'm gonna say probably a combination of both of like a being up on the roof at the ice and all that stuff. Yeah. And he literally said, "Oh, you know, it's like it's it's icy. You know, you'll be fine though." Yeah, I think it was her. Um, but yeah, she ponders unanimity for a bit and then decides to move forward to stop whatever the fuck it is. And there's a there's a line from the book I wanted to read because I just marked it on the show notes. So excuse the pause for a second. So the line goes, nowhere in any great library of the world did it say that one had to let a mighty injustice occur before getting out of your chair. Betty to parry the sword, then to heal the wound that made it in the flesh. Hmm. Yeah, the wound, he said, so many good, yeah. so many good lines in this chapter. Yeah, right. And she's just like she just stands up. She's like flicks the dirt from her hands. She's like, okay, you want to fight? I'll give you one. And you know, now I'm just imagining like a you know, I don't know, just a badass moment there, and just a good, just so many good lines. Just like you said, there's just so many Love of that. them. She then tells Bowen to use her money to pay for the watcher. Probably, yeah, I think it was the watcher's uh, treatment, and to keep it out on the payroll for now. Uh, and that she's going to make travel plans to the exact place the Shangs want her to go, John Zuri. So, and that ends this section of the book for us. So, the pieces are slowly falling into place. The plot's being pushed a little bit more forward. There's more, you know, underground political intrigue. You know, what the fuck is unanimity? Like... Is this the super weapon thing that's being re- referenced in the summary? I like, think it. I think it has. It kind of has to be something as big as it is, like you know. So yeah, I. I but I, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's like a weapon or if it's like um, like a like a a massive like worldwide coup of some sort or like I don't know. It's like what what could the intrigue spirit related? Yeah, like I don't. I don't know. There, there, there was mention a couple of times in these chapters of, oh, what did Ying Chen call it? It was she was she kept mentioning the spirit that she fought with. It was like, what? I'm trying to remember. What was the name of it? It was like old something. She would remember in her own life and think about how differently things might have worked out had she been able to talk to old Iron earlier before he donned his armor and reached land. There's a couple of mentions of this, and I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't think we're meant to know like fully what it's about, um, but it sounds like a type of spirit that she like was not able to defeat or something. But 
it seems like the fact that unanimity was brought up and also the spirit that Yang Chen fought brought up at the same time. I'm like, hmm. I think not. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's it's supposed to be on our radar for a reason, but yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Exactly. We'll see how it goes. We shall see. But yeah, that ends our recap for this chapter, for this section of the book. Uh, are we ready to move on to Phantom Corner? Do you have anything else to say? Absolutely. All right. Phantom Corner. I am very excited to see that there's more Avatar content that I, we can pull from specifically relating to this book because this is from Tumblr, as a lot of our Phantom Corners are from. <laughs> from incorrect Kyoshi novels. Atla prequel novels are so much fun to me because the more recent Avatars would crest, question themselves and their methods, thinking the great Kyoshi and Yangchen never would have stooped this low. And then here we have Avatar legally Adaufe Kyoshi and Avatar self-taught and espionage Yangchen, who still feels inadequate compared to their past lives and as for the very first avatar he was a homeless guy who defected from a spirit hunt Wan knew he wasn't worthy to host rava but she chose him anyway i'm sitting here just obsessing over how perfect it is at the harbinger of balance between worlds and in every case if someone who strikes that balance with their actions fce mm-hmm. just gets it and there there was also mentioned this chapter of um like when she was growing up learning about how the previous avatar before her avatar Zeta would handle things and constantly being kind of like compared to him. So this is just like kind of like a universal experience for pretty much every, every avatar, um, which tracks, you know, cause it, it's, you're, uh, I can't imagine the, the pressure of, of that legacy, especially an avatar that was well revered and well liked, you know? Um, but yeah, it completely tracks. I, I, I love that. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And yeah, that wraps up our fandom corner for this week. I'm glad I found these. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be finding these little like bits of like people's thoughts on it. Cause I haven't seen, mm-hmm. unless I actively search for it, I haven't seen a whole lot of like online discourse about Yang Chen. So I'm excited to see mm-hmm. these little bits and pieces that I've been finding. Yeah. I think people are still catching up to the, the, cause I mean, obviously a book is, is not going to like catch as much fire immediately as like a, you know, like a Netflix show or something. I but I think people are still like, kind of like making their way through it. But, um, but yeah, I hope people are going, I hope some of our listeners are going through it with us. Um, if you have the strength to just read four chapters a week. Hey, we can, if we can um, do it, so can you. We did this an insane weekend in, fr- in front of us. <laughs> like you can do it. Do it. Yeah. Book club. This is Avatar book club now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, with that, let's pivot over to our recommendations this week. What do you recommend this week, Andre? Um, I recommend if you are able and there are some available in your area, go and get the monkeypox vaccine. Um, if if you haven't heard about this going around, um, this it's slightly uh, a concern amongst most communities. This monkeypox thing. Um, I can tell you that um, uh, this is not something that just affects gay men. It can affect anybody. Um, they were, uh, for some reason, that was something that came out and, and it just kind of stuck because it was the first thing that we heard about monkeypox. But, um, anyone can get it, especially if you have like psoriasis or eczema. Apparently, it's like very much recommended that you go and get a vaccine. Um, I would say if, if your city is lucky to have like an LG, LGBT life center or, um, honestly, just like your local clinics, maybe your local, uh, drugstores might have it. Um, and, even if uh, you're someone who, you know, stays home a lot like me, you know, it only takes one one um, interaction. And we all know that from the past, like, two years of COVID. 
Um, and this kind of spreads uh, very similarly. Um, so I think the only difference here with the monkeypox vaccine is that you don't have to get multiple doses of it. You do. Um, oh, you do? Yeah. So actually, I got the monkeypox vaccine myself um, because oh, okay. I'm involved with nightlife and things like that. And I'm involved, mm-hmm. you know, with a lot of gay spaces and things like that. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to attribute it to gay people spreading it or having it, you know, oh, yeah. not at all. But because I'm involved in those same circles of people are concerned about, you know, with like with eligibility and things like that, I got it myself. Um, it was pretty deserted in the clinic that I went to. So uh, definitely get yours. Uh, but I have to come back. I have to go back in four weeks to get my second dose. So four weeks. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. it's not like it's I mean, it's not like it's you don't you don't have as much far of like a. You know, uh, difference between the mm-hmm. two. So. Did you have any side effects? Right now, I got in the back of my arm. I don't know if you can see it. It's a little red. The injection site gets red, a little itchy, and there's a bit of a lump that forms, but they told me that was normal. Um, and that has been so far the only side effect I've really had from it is just the injection site. So, um, yes. So I got it myself. So I recommend that if it's available in your area, you meet the requirements and things like that. Um yeah, because I again, I'm in, I'm involved with nightlife and theater and things like that, so it'll cause it's a lot of people around me and very high chance that I could get it. So that's why I went and got it when I saw the first opportunity that I could. So, yeah. yeah. So if if you feel like you need to go and get one, definitely it's very easy. Just Google it and see where you can get it in your area. And if you can't get it right now, keep checking week to week. It just it's just because this thing is like still so still kind of new. We're still working. Government's still working on getting out those vaccines out more widespreadly. So um so yeah, definitely stay tuned for that and stay safe, everybody. Absolutely. Uh, mine is more of a mental health thing this week again, because mental health has become eh, it's been difficult for me lately for the last I don't know if you can tell from my updates in the last few weeks, but I've been struggling a little bit. Um, but you know, something that has helped in the past and something I'm hoping to get back into the habit of is journaling. Um, you know, you don't have to follow a certain format. You don't have to, you know, I mean, unless you want to, if you want to follow a certain format, this is something that speaks to you and how you want to process your emotions and things like that. Uh, go for it. You know, don't limit yourself to anything. Uh, you don't even have to write in it every day. Uh, but I say, make it a habit. Like I'm trying to, and it's, uh, you know, it might not immediately always make you feel better, but it allows you to process how you're feeling, um, especially after a week like this. I will definitely be journaling again. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's just important to kind of just even just express that you're frustrated with your job or, you know, you're exhausted or anything like that. Just acknowledging how you're feeling and just kind of just pushing it all into your book, your little notebook or whatever you choose to use it as, you know, it's it helps. Uh, at least it helps. It's helpful to me. I probably have recommended it in the past, but I do think it bears repeating. Yep, absolutely. I second that. Awesome. Well, that wraps up our recommendations for the week. If you'd like to stay up to date on what's next to the Avatar Hour podcast, we are on TikTok at the Avatar Hour pod, on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour podcast, and on Twitter at Avatar Hour. And like we say every week, we're always looking for fandom corner entries. So if you have some thoughts on the dawn of Yang Chen or anything else going on in the Avatar universe that you'd like to share, any memes, any theories, headcanon, whatever. Uh, 
feel free to share it our send it our way through our direct messages or you can email us at the avatar hour podcast at gmail.com if we don't get to you right away there's a chance it could end up in a future mailbag episode mm-hmm. and if you want some more avatar hour in your life please consider signing up for our patreon for as little as one dollar a month or up to five dollars a month you can access things like our ad free editions of our episodes our zoom recordings our show notes and so much more especially if you sign up for our five dollar air acolyte level you will also gain access to our flagship benefit the avatar after hour as well as ad-free early release episodes um so if that's something that you're interested in head over to patreon.com slash the avatar hour podcast um but yep that's it for this week everybody we will be back with the next four chapters of donnie and chen next week until then i'm andre i'm kayla bye everyone bye everyone bye